0: Hello Blackhawks fans and welcome in it's the four feathers game show with Johnny Nani and I've got Ron loose with me tonight unfortunately a 6-1 Hawks loss but a couple other topics to break down uh, Ron been a little bit since you and I've been on the mic together so first of all how are you doing my friend
1: I'm good man I'm good um, as you mentioned obviously we wish the Hawks outcome tonight that we were talking about was a little better but Aside from that, man, I'm good. You know, it was cool. Uh, obviously, we'll get into why tonight's game was of significance. and um, But outside of that, I'm doing well, sir. How are you?
0: Yeah, uh, Ron, I'm good. Like I said, uh, I wish the uh, outcome was better so my mood would be a little bit better, but hey, uh, there are still some uh, fun things to talk about uh, with the Caner thousandth game here. So um, we'll, we'll get into all that for the listeners, but before we do, make sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers pod and at ontapsportsnet. If you enjoy the podcast, please go subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen and you can get these podcasts right in your you as soon as they drop so Ron uh, before we even break into this game because this is going to be a rough one a 6-1 loss and we will talk on some of the points from this game but biggest story of the night Patrick Kane's thousandth career game um been just a career filled with milestones still many more to come and I think that's the most exciting part um but I, I wanted to share just some favorite Kane memories so I wanted you to uh, start us off with uh, give us just one or two that kind of stand out yeah I think the first one that that quickly comes off my uh the top of my head
1: just I think because I was there I think that's why it stands out so much but uh actually two both of these were I was actually in attendance for the first one uh you got to throw it way back now I'm talking way back ladies and gentlemen I'm talking pre-first Stanley Cup it's the uh the 0809 playoffs um the Hawks are able to eliminate Vancouver at home in game six of what would be the semifinals for the Western conference uh, to go on and meet the Detroit Red Wings and Patrick Kane uh, first playoff hat trick uh, definitely ranks up there for me. Again, being in person, I still remember his backhand goal for the hat trick. Like it was yesterday. Um, it sticks out so m- so much of my brain. Um, and then another one uh, for me, again, being in attendance for it was, what was it? It was technically two seasons ago. So it was the eighteen nineteen season. And I don't know if, if you remember this, Shawnee, you might, it was like one of the first games of the season might've been the home opener actually against the Toronto Maple Leafs when Austin Matthews did the, can you hear me now, Sally and Kaner responded with two goals to send it to overtime of his own. And, and he responded with that celly. And that's still, that game, even though they lost to OT to the Maple Leafs, I don't even give a damn that they lost. Like, just Kane being Kane, he's like, hey, man, I got you. I'll score two. We're going to send this thing to overtime. And sure enough, it's exactly what happened. So for me, I mean, obviously, the Cups, the game-winning goal, I mean, you and I, I'm sure, both can recite exactly where we were when that happened. But those are two because I think of being in person for them that really stuck out to me for uh, for Patrick Kane, you know, Memories over the course of these a 1,000
0: games. Yeah, no, those are two great ones, Ron. I, I love hearing the experiences from in-person stuff. Uh, and I'll have one, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, first of all, the, probably one of the loudest times UC has ever been for that first memory that you're talking about uh, dispatching mm. Vancouver and the uh, hat trick in the playoffs there. Uh, and then I remember that game vividly. I was not, unfortunately, at that game. I went to one a few days later, Uh, but yeah, that that home opener uh, with the Matthews and uh, Kane and then going back and forth with the Sellies. That that was excellent. Uh, Just high intensity hockey. I'm pretty sure each team had like, 48 shots on goal that night, just ridiculous uh, stuff. But yeah, uh, those are great memories for Patrick Kane. Uh, my number one just has to be the 2010 cup winner. I mean, that that's just the you know pinnacle uh, for Blackhawks fans. It finally breaks the drought. Um, and there, obviously we didn't know exactly what was to come. We didn't know that stretch of dominance was going to be like it was before. But either way, in that moment, we had our one uh, and Patrick Kane was the one to do it. He was the only one to know um, that it was in seemingly. And, and obviously he went down and charged, uh, you know, at the end, the ice to Auntie, uh Niemi and the other guys hesitantly joined him. He saw Taser always looking back and whatnot, and then obviously Doc did the recall of that. Um, and we talked about that a few episodes back uh, on Patrick Kane's. You know, after he scored his 400th goal, um, we were kind of discussing mm-hmm. that one. So that that has to be number one for me. But then um, the thousandth point. I know the play itself; it was only a secondary assist. You got it out to Carpenter. Carpenter over to Sod who buried it, but I was there up in 324. It was at my end of the ice. So all the guys came storming down um, and they all mobbed him in the corner there. And it was, you know, I had a great view of it, took a nice video of that going on and like kind of, you know, panning between the ice and the scoreboard because they were put up the graphics for the thousandth point and just yeah. really cool memories to be a part of in person. I, th- I think that kind of uh, can change uh, what people's lists are. So it's cool. If listeners have them uh, respond uh, with your favorites, maybe one that you were in person for, if you just have a general one that you couldn't have been there for, we'd love to hear them. So um, yeah, congratulations to Patrick Kane uh, on game 1000, but this, the title of this episode is Kane deserved better uh, because he did uh, from what they uh, performed like on the ice tonight. So um, one more little news note before we get into this game, actually, Ron is Kirby doc. Um, practice mm-hmm. with the team optional practice Monday and is traveling with the team now. And I know Jeremy Collin tempered that said ways to go, but Ron, personally, I was very surprised. I was basically counting Kirby doc out for majority of the season. And if he did come back, it would be even later uh, than we're even seeing him back in action. Now, I don't know about you,
1: yeah, I mean, I remember the original timeline from the time the injury happened and and for me my expectation was okay, he'll be back potentially for games, but it's only going to be like the last five or six games of the season. Like it's not going to be a lot. Um but the fact that he's already skating this early in March and doing not even just skating. Let me like backtrack there for a second. Let, not even just skating. Like doing actual drills that are going to put that wrist through a lot of intensity obviously for those that maybe don't recall, Uh, his wrist was entirely discombobulated uh, after that World Juniors uh, exhibition game and obviously he had the surgery on it. But, I mean, right now it's really starting to feel like he might be maybe two, three weeks ahead of schedule, Um, which, assuming the, the, the bone and everything is healing correctly, is awesome. Like, good for Kirby Doc. Obviously this would have been a huge season for him. Uh, You know, had he stayed healthy and played the full word juniors and then, you know, come to the Blackhawks and and played this 56 game season right after that. So, you know, if he comes back like mid-April, that is such a huge addition for this Hawks team, especially with how depleted they've been at center all year. Obviously, Jonathan Taves isn't here. Kirby Dock was hurt. So uh, the fact that he's skating this early, I I agree, Johnny. I I think it really kind of surprised me. I didn't probably expect him to start skating much before April. So the fact that it's what, March 9th? As, as you and I are talking about this game right now, and, and he's already on the ice and doing drills. Uh, it's an encouraging sign for Blackhawks fans to think Kirby Doc could be back earlier than his original timeline
0: yeah and that's very encouraging, especially for the reasons as you mentioned uh being thin uh, up the center uh, ice position is an understatement. um you know when you just look at the names that have been absent. so uh, that would be a huge addition. would love to see him in action and uh i you know um with the way this team is trending, i thought it would just be to get some reps in if he did come back for the end. Uh, but now he could be talking about ease of pivotal, like it's almost like a um, what do they say when a guy comes back like a trade, trade deadline acquisition. acquisition? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you're right on cue there. That's seriously what it feels like though when you have that, because it's something yeah. that you didn't enjoy the first part of it, and, and then he gets into the mix uh in the latter half. And those could be, you know, we're talking about uh games that could be extremely meaningful when it comes to standings points being in a playoff spot because uh, it's going to be a fight uh, to the finish here. Um, so, I mean, any help there w- would be greatly appreciated. So, I uh, just wanted to air that out because um, the definitely encouraging sign uh, that Kirby Doc is there. And then one more thing, Ron, I love that he's traveling and he's all excited about it uh, just to be back with the team. Um, I think it just kind of speaks to who he is as a person uh, and as a teammate. So, um, you know, I think it's good for the guys, especially some of the younger guys to have, even though Kirby Doc's still a young guy himself, uh, but he's been around the block once uh, with the team Mm -hmm. before. So um, I think any of that added in there helps. I don't know if you had any comments before we wrap up. Yeah,
1: just just really quickly. I feel like Kirby Doc has a lot of the same traits as Jonathan Taves did when he was a young rookie. Like, obviously, Jonathan Taves was named captain at a very young age. You know, he wore an A that first season when he was a rookie. You know, him and Kane were coming up. So, you know, Kirby Doc kind of has that feel to him. Uh, in terms of just who he is as a leader, right, and you know he was named captain of the World Juniors Canada team. Obviously, didn't get to play because of the injury, but that's a huge deal. Like if you're named captain, you clearly stand out. To you know, and they're that that Canada team was loaded. Sure, they lost to the U.S. in the gold medal game, but like that team was still loaded, and so I think that really speaks volumes just to what Kirby Doc's going to be in the future for this team. I think. Honestly, God, I, I mean, there's a real argument that if he was healthy for this season, especially with Jonathan Taves being down, he might have been one of the guys in the rotation to wear an A. I really do think that mm-hmm. could have been possible. Yeah. So, you know, I think that, like you said, Johnny, the fact that he's that excited about just being back with the team and, you know, because of the experience he had in that first season, you know, with the expanded playoff and actually getting to play a couple playoff series and playing a whole season up as a rookie at 18 years old, I think, you know, that really does put Kirby Doc, even though he's like you said, he's a young guy, but he's a young guy who's been around the block and he's done it already. I mean, I feel like I've said this a couple of times, maybe not necessarily here on four feathers, but like, I really do think if Jonathan Taves were to retire in the next three, four years, Kirby Dock. Could be the next captain in
0: the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. And I think that, you know, maybe all fans kind of share that sentiment, but maybe a little bit more down the road. Obviously, mm-hmm. now there's a few more hiccups and speed bumps in the road with Jonathan Taves and his condition right now and the uncertainty surrounding it. But yeah, I would have, you know, after just seeing him last year and how he progressed throughout the season um, and how good he looked when they came back for the bubble, uh, those are all yeah. signs that I could have pointed to down the road. Yeah. This guy is looking like a guy who can be a future captain. Um, so, but I one last comment. We We will get to the game here, I promise. Uh, But one last comment on that is I think, Ron, um, you know, when we look back on last year's playoff, obviously, you know, you win the qualifying round. That was exciting for that. And then fans are kind of upset. You know, you get routed pretty much by Vegas uh, in that first round of the official thing. um, And people say, oh, well, they would have been better off just tanking. I think we've said it here on the show. But, yeah, looking back uh, on that experience in the bubble, um, I think it was bigger um, for, you know, that kind of, meaningful playoff hockey sort of atmosphere, um, for Kirby doc, especially, you know, we didn't know at the time he didn't know at the time, nobody did, uh, that he wouldn't be playing majority of the games of season. So uh, I can look back on that now. And I think uh, it makes me feel a little bit better, uh, given the circumstances here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree hundred percent with you, Johnny, you know, especially cause you, like you mentioned, right. He, he was such a different player in the bubble too. Like he, you know, had his moments of brilliance throughout his rookie year. And of course he's a young guy figuring out the league, learning how to play with guys that are just, you know, literally the best in the world. I mean, he's used to, you know, WHL competition up to that point. Um, but I'm telling you, like, he just, he looked like the a cornerstone type player in that bubble. I mean, he, I think he had, if I remember correctly, it was like seven points in six games you know, at one point or like nine points in seven games or nine points in eight. It's something like that. I think he had one more point than games played. So, you know, clearly he was a heavy contributor. He wasn't scared. He just looked more confident, I think, in the bubble. So I agree with you. I think that was an incredible experience for him. And It's unfortunate that he doesn't get this season to have another level of progression added, but I think any time back in this season is going to do him wonders, especially if, you know, this Hawks team continues to do what they do and hangs around in this playoff conversation as long as they have
0: in the central division. Well put. I just wanted to bring that up because, hey, uh, getting him back sooner uh, rather than later, um, very welcome surprise, at least for me. Maybe some other people talked him to be back a little earlier, but I certainly didn't expect that. And uh, the team is in a much different spot uh, than I would have expected them to be in uh, when he did finally return if he was going to this year. So, Mm -hmm. um, yep, just wanted to air that out. Uh, Let's finally get to this game. Uh, As I had mentioned before, six to one loss. Uh, I think Jeremy Collin put it well tonight, Ron. Blackhawks did not have it tonight. No, they did not. They did not show up. They just they looked so flat. And, you know,
1: maybe it was because of the milestone for Kane that people got distracted maybe a little bit. It happens, you know, a a big game for somebody, it's very easy to lose focus on the game itself and, and focus more so on the accolades or whatever's being celebrated in that game and um love the the little entrance they did for Kaner uh onto the ice obviously being on the road for your 1000th game has to suck because you know you don't get the same treatment as you would at the United Center even without fans but um you know just to see them come out then and lay an egg like that was really disappointing uh, it's just again like you said uh, the, the the title for this episode is too perfect like Kane did really did deserve better i mean how do you come out and shit a brick like that in a 6-1 game when literally the guy that's probably going to go down is potentially the best player in your franchise's history is about to celebrate the 1000 game milestone. And that's the performance he gets from the rest of the team. And I'm not going to sit here and just totally exclude Kane or be like, I played great. I mean, he didn't show up either on the score sheet at least, you know, but it just, unfortunately just, it felt like it was such an ill timed thing too. like, Oh, we're on the road to Dallas and we'll be fine. No. And like, I know we'll get to it, but Malcolm Subban looked like total dog shit tonight, too. So yep. that certainly didn't help. And it wasn't, I don't, he looked okay, but like he just looked lost, is I think the best way to describe it. At like times it felt like he wasn't mm-hmm. in the game mentally. And so I, I really do think the thousandth game for Kane kind of distracted a lot of guys on the ice tonight. And unfortunately, this is the product that we get.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely a factor uh, that definitely went into it. And then, um, you know, j- just when you start slow, uh, it's hard to retrieve that because you're already chasing two goals uh, as you head right. into the first intermission. Curvianta uh, scored the first one uh, at 140. So, you know, right off the bat, um, you're, you're quick, already down one. And then Alexiak uh, buried a rebound chance at the 15-10 mark. Um, and that kind of can bring us to one of our points here when discussing Malcolm Subban. Ron, I know it's a talking point. It uh, gets discussed a lot, gets thrown out a lot on Twitter. Um, but it, it was very evident tonight the rebound control just has to get better and it's something that's plagued him for the longest time it's giving me a little worries that maybe this you know first few sample size games that we've had uh from him in which he's performed fairly well uh were maybe a little bit of a fluke because it seems like he's returning to some of his old ways that caused him trouble with his previous teams
1: yeah i i think i think you're right there johnny partially too honestly like to me it just feels like Some games he's gotten away with the rebound control issue, right? I mean, I I think back to the game, actually, ironically, that he won against Dallas. I think it was a game that maybe you and Tony might have done, but we briefly touched on it the next game when they finished playing Dallas. Well, I think it was like a Sunday. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Like he had a good game, but the rebound control was there. It was was evident that he was struggling. And – unfortunately because of that again the team played well enough around him to cover that up and I think that's what you're starting to see is like when the nights the team doesn't bring it to help his you know rebound control issues he really gets exposed then and tonight was one of those nights and you know obviously he's able to step up he's shown it I think the Tampa game the other night that he stole on Friday was a perfect example of that Mm -hmm. you know his rebound control was better. Not great, but better, you know, enough to get the job done for them to win that game because he did steal that game. I'll give him credit where credit is due. Malcolm Stuban stole that game on Friday night against Tampa. But just today, it's just, again, like you said, it was super evident that the rebound control is still an issue for him. And I really do think, especially because he was a first round draft pick, you know, so many years ago by the Boston Bruins. That's the maybe the one thing that's keeping him from being a legitimate number one goaltender in the NHL. I'm not saying he's gonna be a Hall of Famer, not saying he's gonna be a perennial all-star, but at least from being a decent number one goaltender. I think if he was to get his rebound control under control, ironically, hmm. um, you know, I, I think he really would have that opportunity to be that guy. And I think that's really what's holding him back right now.
0: Yeah. And it's tough to watch too. And you know what? I don't want to just completely pile on it or take away anything that Malcolm Subban's done to this point, because it has been a very welcome surprise for the most part, his play Absolutely. overall. Um, Just looking at the, some of the chances here, you know, uh, you get out chance seven to one in the first period, five Oh uh, in high danger chances. So that's, you know, already just a tough start. Uh When I talk about my favorite go to tagline, uh, protect the house. If they're getting five, five day uh, high danger chances there sure some of those could be uh, on a rebound chance that uh, is getting stuffed right back at them. but hey uh, if you if you're letting them into those uh, areas that frequently and not doing it on the other end um you're going to have a bad time, and your goal is going to get peppered even more. So, uh, as we mentioned, that was 2-0 after the first period. Uh, Blackhawks' one lone bright spot of this game came fairly early in the second period. Ron, um, I was actually impressed they they pulled off a set faceoff play to perfection, uh, and it was a faceoff win to the left half wall where Dehan shoveled it up to Carlson at the point, who faked like he was going to shoot, so he got Kudobin kind of coming out. Put it down to Yanmark at the bottom of the right circle, and uh, Yanni Barry's one. He loves scoring against former team. Ron, absolutely.
1: I feel like Yanmark every time against Dallas always has a good game, as you mentioned, because it is his former team. But yeah, great play. I mean, it, it really felt like at that moment, at least, it felt like it gave the Hawks a little bit of life. You know, in the moment, you know, it's two one. You're like, all right, you're only down a goal. There's a chance. It's early in the second. You you have you know just under forty minutes of hockey left. You know, maybe we're going to get something going here. And then, of course, I'll let you continue your narration of the second period, but
0: we all know how it ends up. So even then, though, right after that, the Blackhawks continued to press a little bit because they, they were finally working down into Dallas's zone a little bit better and generating a few more chances, playing away from Malcolm Subban, things that can help right. out help your team out. Obviously, you got to get on the score sheet. So uh, they, they were doing that for a little bit. But then Matthew Highmore takes an ill-advised penalty. It was a tripping call at the 534 mark, um, and it was towards the end of the power play. The Blackhawks had a Okay, kill uh up until that point, at least and not, you know, letting it in the back of their net. Uh, but then it gets up to the point to John Klingberg, who just flips a little wrister on. And unfortunately, Calvin DeHaan is shielding um, Malcolm Subban right out in front, and DeHaan can't make the block, uh, so it finds the back of the net there. Um, and this was kind of the, um, okay, if we don't get one soon after, uh, it's going to be out of reach, and that is just what happened. Um, kind of an unfortunate play. Blackhawks, once again, you know, they're down 3-1 at this point, trying to generate some offense uh, in the star zone. Everyone's kind of pinched up and when you look at it positionally within the zone, not too terrible, nothing egregious, but the stars are on a late change. Joe Pavelski comes off the bench, uh, gets in on Subban one-on-one alone and uh, shoots one Subban, give him credit for making the first save, but rebound comes off to the right and uh, Pavelski buries that one there. Um, Ron, this felt nail in the coffin and this pretty much was.
1: Yeah, it really did. And, and, and I think you bring it up perfectly, right? Johnny, like, they they were they were pressing they they were doing some good things as a team and then unfortunately it just it felt like Dallas caught some really good breaks at the right time you know really good plays um i think the pavelski play is a perfect example of that you know he's able to sneak behind the d and you know again subban makes a great save on the first puck but the rebound control comes right back out to Pavelski and he's able to dangle around Subban and put a top shelf, you know, with him kind of down and out. So it, it really did feel like the nail of the coffin at that point. I think mentally, even, you know, myself watching the game was just like, all right, it's over at this point. I'm just hoping and praying that like Kaner gets a goal and the brink and assists in, and I might get some of my money back that I bet on tonight's game. Cause I felt like <laughs> for the Kane, a thousandth game, you know, go big or go home, and, and unfortunately, I went home and I lost a bunch of money because of this poor effort tonight. But, yeah, that, that Pavelski goal was definitely by far, to me, the nail in the coffin. I agree with you there.
0: Yeah, stars wouldn't even be done in the second period. Um, You know, Lindell, uh, kind of a little bit of a defensive breakdown. I think this might have been a more rough game for him here. Um, he, he is a little bit late getting out to the point as Lindell corrals it. Um, he has space in the high slot and just buries one top shelf. That makes it 5-1 um, in the third Blackhawks had a power play opportunity if they were going to get anything going fairly early at uh, 228 mark. Um, But that, that was a, you know, pretty dead power play. Not much at all. And then um, later in that period, a bouncing puck ends up on Rupe Hintz's stick. Adam Boquist can't get out from in front of the net to go and defend it. And um, he buries that one that was at the 646 mark to make it 6-1. That was all the scoring in this one. Um, just a stinker game. Blackhawks just kind of finished it out. Um, and you, you could tell the guys were frustrated after. I don't know if you saw any. Uh, Calvin Nahan uh, had some pretty uh, short answers uh, for the media. And, uh, you know, Connor Murphy uh, was not too satisfied as was Jeremy Colleton. So, um, you know, the tough one here tonight, Ron, um, but let's talk observations and adjustments going forward here. Yeah,
1: I think a, a first observation for tonight is Malcolm Subban does not do well when there's traffic in front of him. Uh, at least for tonight, it really felt like anytime. time. And it didn't even have to be three, four guys. It just... One guy is all it took to block him. It just it feels like he doesn't see really well around defenders, and maybe tonight really exposed that. But, or maybe it was just a bad game for him. I honestly, I don't know. Right. I, I think that's kind of a fair assumption. Right. He could have just been having a bad night, but it really felt like anytime there was somebody out in front, he just couldn't see the puck. And that was very evident. I think, especially on the last goal. If I remember correctly, if you kind of watch back, like he's so late getting to the other side of the post just because he couldn't see the puck. And I think there was only one guy out in front of him, maybe two, you know. And so maybe that's the kind of the difference between him and Lankinen. I think obviously Lankinen's a little bigger too, so that probably helps. But, you know, I feel like Lankinen just sees pucks through traffic so much better than Subban does. And I think that's really the big difference between these two so far and how well they've performed, even though I know Lankinen kind of admittedly got lit up the last game but i don't entirely blame him for that because it's tampa and just the hawks seemed like they quit after that 3-0 lead but you know it just really feels like Subban is struggling to see around guys so maybe just a different game plan when Subban's in net. I, I don't mean like change the whole thing but hey let's let's make a little more emphasis on trying to clear the lane and, and let him see clean pucks um, and then another observation, he just again, I, tying it back to the, the, the title of the episode, Johnny. You, you named it so perfectly. You got to give a better effort for Patrick Kane. Come on, it's it's game 1000, and you guys come out and you, you shit a brick like this against, admittedly, a not very good Dallas Stars team this year. Like, record wise, they aren't doing that well. You know, why are you letting them get any kind of momentum in the central division? I think that's what to me made me upset about tonight's game. Obviously, you'd like to see them win it for Kaner, but think about the long-term picture too you're allowing this Dallas Stars team to hang around in the Central Division and they've proven they can get there they were the Western Conference representative in the Stanley Cup last year so they're clearly not a slack job team and admittedly they're not much different roster wise minus legitimately Matthias Janmark from that you know Cup team that we just saw back in August so I guess for me it's just if you're the Blackhawks, now that Kane's got the a thousandth game out of his out of his way, you don't have that distraction going into Dallas on Thursday. Just come back, play like you did, you know, in previous games against Dallas this year. Play like you did against Tampa on Thursday, and even uh, parts of Friday night. Uh, you know, obviously Subban still stole that game Friday night, but Thursday night, even though they lost, they came out playing well. Or the you know first twenty two minutes of Sunday's game. Play like that for a consistent 60 minutes on Thursday, and I don't think anybody's going to have any issues because the Hawks would probably win if they give that type of effort on Thursday. So, that to me is just the two big things that stood out to me, Johnny.
0: I think you summed up the effort part perfectly, so I don't need to elaborate more on that. I would just second everything that you said. I'll circle back on your first point, though, uh, from a tactical adjustment sort of thing. Um, Dells, they're a big team. They got big bodies. You got, you know, they they, they got a bunch of guys, and they, even if they aren't that big, Joe Pavelski's not overly, you know, like, you know, six like five but he's great at finding the front of the net and using redirects and all that creating space for himself there um so you got to be willing to bully those guys out of the way a little bit no matter even i know you'll probably go back to lankanen on thursday night so it won't be suban and sure lankanen can see around uh defenders a little bit better you know just due to the bigger frame and the aforementioned reasons that you laid out um but either way make it a um, concerted effort to give your goalie that space and time though uh, because if you're clearing those bodies out first of all, makes the pucks coming in easier to see and then it also makes it harder on the rebound chances so that uh, would be my one tactical adjustment in the defensive zone there and then like you said the the effort level uh, ramp back up and um, one thing that you know it's easy to get down right now Uh, Because this is a bad stretch here uh, when you go back to the last two periods of the Tampa game on Sunday and the obviously full uh, 60 minutes tonight, um, you know, you gave up six goals in the last two periods of that game and then six more uh, tonight. In, over this. So um not a great stretch of hockey over the majority of the last two games here. Um, You know, penalty kill got burned uh, badly. But once again, I was against a high-powered Tampa team on uh, Saturday, uh, excuse me, on Sunday. Uh, Stars also got one tonight as well. Um, So it'd be, you know, winning the special teams battles and, uh, you know, just kind of looking back on that and saying, OK, this is not us. You know, th- this is not our uh, what we've done for the majority of the season outside of the first four games and then this last little stretch here. So it's we know we can do this. Let, let's, you know, hanker down and make the uh, tactical adjustments that we need to and then just ramp up the effort level. Smelling salts, bring them back out, baby. Let's go.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you summed it up perfectly. And just to quickly add to that too, Johnny, right? Like you need to pick up the effort if you're the Blackhawks because, you know, this is a six-game road trip. It was game one tonight that we're talking about. You have another game against Dallas. Two games against Florida, who is playing incredible right now, and then you have two games again against Tampa, and they're all on the road. So, if this Hawks team has any prayer of winning, maybe three of these games, maybe four, you know, if things work out, especially against, you know, maybe you you split with Tampa and you somehow get a sweep of Florida, it's going to come down to that effort level. It's really going to come down to playing that hard nosed hockey that this team has shown they can do pretty regularly so far this season. Like there's a reason they're as high as they are in the standings. Like they've played hard. Just do that consistently. Do that for 60 minutes against these top teams. And you actually are going to have a chance against them. It's going to happen. You just got to keep playing that way. And it just, it feels like because they are so young and inexperienced at times that they lose sight of that, I think. And I think if they can really correct that, especially on this stretch, you know, at this point in the season where we're kind of getting into those quote unquote dog days of the season. Now, you know, uh, albeit a little bit of a shorter season, but you know, if they can get it together, especially against good teams like Florida and Tampa coming up here in the next four games, five games, it would be really big for this team to turn it around and, and take it into the last stretch of the season before potential playoffs.
0: Yeah, so what I've liked so far, um, and I think it's been a, you know, kind of a surprise uh, for a lot of people, um, it's the ability to make adjustments game to game. Now, sure, you could mm-hmm. say tonight was an example of them not doing that because, you know, the last two periods of the Tampa game were bad. This whole game was bad, so I get that. But when you just look on the overall bouncing back from a series like, you know, you go to Nashville and lose two overtime games there, and then you come back and you have much, you know, you look like a completely different team. Uh, when you come back, hey, um, you know, the adjustments to be able to learn from it, but then throw it away and start fresh the next time. I, I you know, I don't think Jeremy Collins, of you know, a screamer, a yeller, like maybe Joel Quinville was, but may, maybe a little infliction, but not in like a degrading way. Not in like, mm. a, you know, f you, you screwed up this, you were, you know, in the goalie's eyes for this one, reaming his guys out. Not like that, but just like a, hey. Guys, we've done this before. We we know we can. Like, let, let's just go out there, execute, simplify, and do it. And you know, a little pep in the step, uh, maybe a little infliction in the voice will give the boys a little pep in their step. That's my final thought on this game.
1: <laughs> no, I love it. And just to kind of add to your point about Colton, right? Yeah, he's not a screamer. Uh, not like a Joel Quenville by any means, but he almost has that like parental stare feel to him. Like, if he's pissed at you, he's just gonna look at you a certain way, and you know he's upset with you. And if you respect him, which I really do think this team does, I think, based on their communication with the press about buying into his system and everything, I think they really do respect Jeremy Colleton. In tomorrow's film session, that he's going to go over some of those goals with the guys and like, hey, you were in the lane and stuff. And it's going to just be like, hey, Lucas, and then he's going to kind of do the over the shoulder lean to them and be like. I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed, look. And that's that's the Jeremy Colleton, right? Like, yeah. I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Like, he's going to give you that, like, hey, I just got in trouble with my dad because I, you know, I got paint on the wall and I shouldn't have type thing. Um, so hopefully, you know, like you said, though, like this team has proven that they can make adjustments game to game, come back and respond well. So really, really holding out hope that Thursday
0: night they can respond well and hopefully at least get a split in this two-game set with Dallas. Yeah, and, you know, if we were going to go for predictions for that, I actually think they will. I think they'll bounce back, and I think they'll win. And I think, you know, it, part of it will have to do with Kevin Lankanen, uh in, in, you know, kind of matching up maybe a little bit better uh, against a bigger team like the Dallas Stars, uh, him being a bigger netminder for the reasons that we've already laid out here. Uh, but I, I do. If I were to predict, I would think that they um, – You know We're going to bounce back and get a win. I'd probably say around 4-2 or 4-3 on Thursday nights. Hopefully that's the case. Uh, Around one last thing we need to do from this game, though, is award a cool and tough player of the game. Hard to do uh, on one like this, but uh, Reese Johnson did step up and drop the glove. So, um, you know, pocket fights are cool and tough. Uh, He was trying to get the boys going because this is when they were down 2-0. He lands a couple good punches in there. So, um, you know, he didn't play a whole lot. I think his ice time was in the mid-seven minutes. uh, Didn't contribute much. Uh, beyond that um but hey, in a game like this no one did too much of anything uh so we'll, we'll give it to him i think that's a pretty easy one to go on here so um as we look forward i know we talked a lot about adjustments already but uh this next game is uh thursday march 11th seven thirty p.m central time uh nbc sports chicago um uh Stars now uh, up in the 20 point range. You know, that we talked about them, you know, letting them creep back into the standings here. On. Uh, they're also, you know, they're 8 8 and 5, so they don't have as many games here uh, as the Blackhawks have, with the Blackhawks sitting at 13 9 and 5 uh, after tonight's game. So um, it's going to be, you know, taking all those adjustments that we talked about into account, uh, just playing a better, cleaner team game, uh, more focus on uh, driving at, um, you know, the, the Dallas net instead of letting it, uh, it them dictate play and you sitting back on your heels. In your own zone. Uh, do you have a prediction at all uh, before we get to our six to click here?
1: I, I agree with you, Johnny. I do think they respond better on Thursday. The the distractions around Kane's a thousandth game and the celebrations and the you know the montage video creations and all that is out of the way. It's another game. You're you're gonna step into this one, you know, the exact same way you would any other regular ass day of the season. Uh, it's a Thursday night game. It's against Dallas Stars. You got to take some points, uh, like you said. Really. You want to bury teams right now like Columbus, Dallas, Nashville, and Detroit. Those are the teams you want to bury. Fine-tune your game against those teams. Keep them lower in the standings so that way, even if you are sneaking in the playoffs as that fourth seed in the Central Division, you're at least fine-tuning your game in time to go play the big boys. And if you know what? If you can show up against the big boys now in this late stretch of the season, that's even better. So it all starts with Thursday. One game at a time. Thursday night, reset, refocus. New goaltender probably in there. You got DeHaan back in the lineup. That's huge. You have Murphy still in the lineup. You know, maybe you shuffle the lines a little bit, get some new looks going, you know, take a, take a page out of the old Joel Quenville playbook and hit the line blender real quick. And, you know, maybe they get back into this thing. And But I really do think they're going to give a better effort Thursday night. It's going to be a much closer game, and I think they can really find a way to prevail.
0: Yeah, I like it. I. Think that equates to a four-two uh, or four-three Blackhawks victory, so uh, that's what I'm going to roll like with it. here. Uh, let's get a stick to click from you, though.
1: Yeah, uh, obviously, stick to click is a little tough uh, given the last what twelve periods or so, not even twelve periods, what the last seven periods of hockey or so uh, that we've seen, unfortunately. But um, you know, I, I think that now the distractions out of the way for him, I'm going to go with the easy one. I haven't picked them all year yet, but I'm going to go with Patrick Kane. I, I think he. He's pissed. I really do. I think he's like, shit, I really hope my 1000th game thing didn't get in the way of the boys tonight in their minds. And we did this poor, terrible, piss poor effort in Dallas. Um, so I really do think he comes out maybe two goals, goal and assist some type of, you know, two point game. I'm, I'm calling it right now out of Patrick Kane. Uh, so he's going to be my stick to click uh, for Thursday night in Dallas.
0: I like it. Uh, That's a good one. I mean, yeah, never a bad call to go with Patrick Kane. I kind of, you know, I am actually a little bit shocked here. I was taken aback that this is the first time you're picking uh, Patrick Kane. I'm pretty sure I've already used him uh, at least three times, three or four times so far. So um, for me, I'll go to the back end here. And, uh, you know, it doesn't look great tonight. Uh, no one really did tonight, though. Um, Adam Boquist, he was minus two tonight. But, hey, he did have one rush in um, where he was generating the offense. And he drove uh, straight through the slot and just missed bearing one early on in this game. And, hey, if that one goes the complexion of this game, uh, could be completely different. Uh, maybe you have a little more jump in your game at the beginning. But uh, I like that. And, you know, he's just been making some better improvements overall you know there's still individual specific plays you can go back and look that you know this is a breakdown it's like okay we know that though we know this is a work in progress with him but you had talked about it episodes back uh getting the offensive game going to uh ramp up that confidence uh looked like he was on a swivel for that at least early on in this game uh so i want to see that kind of no fear mentality again on uh you know Thursday night, hopefully that results in uh, one in the back of the net, but if not, maybe an assist or two. So I'll go with Boquist, and uh, that's about it. Once again, that game's Thursday night, 7.30, NBC Sports, Chicago. So, Ron, final thoughts, and we can send it out here.
1: Just bring a better effort, bring a better energy on Thursday night, and the Hawks are going to get a well-needed W, and I'm looking forward to watching the Hawks win, Johnny.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my final thought is the Dominic Hashick, uh video uh, congratulating Patrick Kane on 1,000 games was awesome. Uh, those are all, I think the Blackhawks tweeted those out, um, kind of spaced out throughout the game. So they have ones from Marion Hosa, Nicholas Jalmerson, Coach Q. Um, they're all in an Instagram post on the official Blackhawks account. So highly recommend watching those. Uh, some good you know, kind of kudos from uh, former coaches and uh, teammates there. But uh, Hashik's was great. Uh, he, he made it a really funny one. So I uh, enjoyed that. Go and check it out if you haven't yet. Uh, we did retweet it from the four feathers account so um that does it for this episode once again unfortunately a six to one hawks loss but we'll be back on thursday night hopefully uh, discussing a black win like we've predicted here so ron let's close this out with our free magic words let's go hawks let's go hawks